about five years ago, five years ago, LinkedIn did a survey. Uh, they asked hundreds, probably thousands of people, um, what was or what is the most important skill, communication skill, that there is out there, okay? What's, it, what's the most important skill in the workforce, okay? Not just communication skill. Of all the skills out there, what is the most important skill? And they actually, uh, uh, you know, when they ask people, they, these are the top five that, that basically people said. Some people said critical thinking. Man, you've got to have some critical thinking in, your, in the workforce. How many of you would say, yep, critical thinking is definitely something that you've got to have in the workforce? Um, some people said organization. You know, that, man, I, I couldn't do church without some people uh, that have that gift, have that, that, that administrative gift. Some people use the word uh, adaptability. It's a, it's a skill that you can have. It means that you're flexible. It means that, that you know, if like the organization is going in a particular way and you got to make a turn, like people, those people that are uh, adaptable, those people that are flexible, they can make those turns. They can make those shifts. And sometimes you need those people with you. Um, they said communication. How many of you would say, man, communication? That's got to be... That's got to be like one of the top skills that you've got to have in the workforce. And then the last one is teamwork. How many of you would say teamwork? You've got to have teamwork. Okay, of the five, of the five, which one do you think is most important? Of the five, which one would you say it's like would rise to the top? How many of you would say, uh, let's say, adaptability? It's got to be at the top. Anybody in here? Online, you can, you can participate. Just put it on the chat. How many of you would say, um, I don't know, organizations? Probably one of the most important ones. Anybody in the room? Okay, we got one person. Okay, fantastic. How many of you would say communication is probably one of the most important ones? Okay, that's what I thought. You guys got it right. Of the five, the one that rose to the top was this skill, soft skill, that we call communication Today and actually next week, we're going to be going through the book of Proverbs. We're going to be going on a little journey, okay? And we're going to um, see how to develop the skill of communication. An example of poor communication would be when Radio Shack, you guys know Radio Shack, the electronics um, company, in 2006, they laid off over 400 employees by sending an email. Now imagine, put yourself, if you're, a, if you're a Radio Shack employee, right? Over 400 employees. And here's what the email read. Okay, watch this. Listen to this. The workforce reduction notification is currently in progress. I'm just laughing because, oh man, I feel bad. The workforce reduction notification is currently in progress. Unfortunately, your position is one that has been eliminated. In other words, the unofficial word is you are fired. You're done. It's over. That year... They, they had to close down over 500 stores because they didn't have the decency to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation, a face-to-face -face conversation. If you have to lay off people, I mean, I understand you got to do that from time to time. If you're a big business like Radio Shack, maybe things are not going well for you and you got to make that transition, that's fine. But it's one thing to communicate it through email. It's another thing to just look at somebody 
in the face, you know, eye to eye and say, hey, listen, man, we're, this, the, you know, this is the why, this is what's happened, and it's not you or whatever. And they didn't have the decency to do that, and they lost over 500 um, stores that one year. So the point that I'm making is this improper, the consequences of improper communication, the, uh, or, or you could say lack of communication skills, they can break up a business, but they can also... Uh, affect a marriage I cannot tell you the number of times that I've been in my office doing marriage marital counseling where I asked the couple what is your biggest thing what's the thing that's that you're struggling with what's the thing why is the marriage not working why are you having trouble I cannot tell you the number of times where people say we just don't know how to communicate Okay, and so today, not not if I can be honest with you, not a super deep message. Okay, this is not if if you're looking for a deep theology, it's not one of those. Okay, but I promise you, it'll be hard to find a more practical message for you today, because just like communication almost broke up that company, Radio Shack, and just like communication has ruined families in the same way it can affect your career it can affect man if you say something and it's it's a wrong thing it can affect how you get out of like when you make a mistake it can affect the way you lead your kids it will i mean in, in every area of your life it's the one thing that all of us have to do all of us this morning um our middle daughter she was trying to figure out how to tell something how to communicate something and we were we were trying to craft a a text that she needed to communicate to someone else and it's it's not easy it's not something that you're born with and so today we're going to be looking at the book of proverbs if you have your bibles go ahead and turn there we're going to be going through i think i have like 10 to 15 verses that i'm gonna we're going to be looking at from the book of proverbs on how to properly communicate, how to develop this communication skills. Now, let me tell you a little bit about the book of Proverbs. It's a book of wisdom, okay? If you don't know anything about it, it's, it the book of Proverbs takes the ageless, priceless wisdom of God and makes it easy to understand. That's why I say it's not like a super deep theological, like you don't need a seminary degree, to, to look at, to read the book of Proverbs, okay? Most of us, I could challenge you today, man, spend 31 days, got 31 chapters. You know, every, every day, spend, spend a, a day on a chapter, okay? And I, I, I really think that most of us would understand 80, 90% of the book of Proverbs. It takes the ageless, priceless wisdom of God, and it makes it understandable, makes it accessible for just regular people. It spells it out in simple terms. And so today we're going to be looking at several passages. And what I want to do is I want to give you six principles for excellent communication skills. Okay? Six principles for excellent communication skills. And I really believe this. If you take a hold of these, okay, if you practice them, okay, so if you are a sponge today, and you just soak it in and you make it like you, like the next 27 minutes and 36 seconds if I stick to my time. If you decide today, which I think I will. You guys are laughing, but I think I will. This, this is, I have high hopes, okay? Um, if you become a sponge and you soak it in 
and you process it, process the principles that we're going to look at from God's word, and you begin to practice them. You got to practice them, okay? I really believe with all of my heart that your marriage will improve. I believe your family dynamics, there are issues with your family, extended family, or your media family. I really believe you apply some of these principles, you will see improvement there. I think it'll help you in your career. It'll help you lead people. Like I said earlier, like a second ago, like if you make a mistake, it helps you how to overcome the mistakes that we make. It'll help you lead your kids, how to communicate to them. You know, they, your kids go through all kinds of stages. And so the way you communicate to them when they're three is not the same way that you communicate to them when they're 13 or 17, right? And so, but if you get a hold of these, I really believe with all of my heart, man, there's nothing more practical than this. In fact, there are two people this morning who sent me a text. One was a text. The other one was in person, said something to me, and I was like, yep, Lord, you're right. Because the principles that, that I'm going to share here with you in a few minutes, it, I mean, they work. They work more than anything else that I've ever taught you. Like, when you look at these principles and you apply them and you review them, because the truth is, I don't know if I'll, if I'll teach you anything new today. But I promise you, I will remind you of some things. And if you take it and practice it, you will be a better person, okay? So we're in the book of Proverbs. We're gonna, first verse we're going to look at is Proverbs 17, 28. Look at it. It's on the screen. Proverbs 17, 28. The Bible says this. Even a fool. Everybody say the word fool. Say the word fool. Even a fool, say it like, say it like, with, like with enthusiasm. Even a fool is thought wise. Say that word, wise. Even a, even a fool is thought wise. Well, what do you mean, Lord? What are you talking about? Even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent. Mm. Any fools in the room? <laughs> Some of you guys are laughing. Turn around. Look to the person closest to you. It's like, do you know any fools? Go ahead. Play along. Play along. Ask, ask the person next to you, do you know any fools? If you're watching online, you ask your family, do you know any fools? Do you know any fools? I know some. I've been a fool before, so I'm sure. <laughs> um, and discerning if he, if he holds his tongue. Bible teaches us one of the best things that you can do to improve your communication skills is to develop the art of listening. Develop the art of listening. Why do I say develop? Uh, communication is a skill that you have to learn, you have to develop, you have to practice. If you are married, you need time, you need to spend time in meaningful communication. You have to schedule it. You have to, you have to, like, just like you schedule a workout, just like you schedule so many other things in life, appointments and whatnot, you've got to have a rhythm in your life if you're married where you are scheduling meaningful communication. Why do I say that? Because everything else is fighting against you. The kids, the emails, the notifications on your phone, the, everything is pulling you away. Laundry, people, social media. I mean, anything, you name it. It's, it's fighting against you communicating, having intimate, meaningful communication with your spouse. 
uh, there was an article, this is old, but from several years ago that I read from Newsweek that said that the average American couple spends about four minutes a day in conversation. Four minutes out of how many a day? What is it? 1,440, isn't it? Like 1,440 minutes a day? Four minutes a day, the average couple spends in communication. So no wonder why so many marriages are empty, where there's no trust, there's lack of intimacy, um, because there's no communication. And when there is communication, usually it's arguments and fights and putting the other person down. And so let me, let me save you a counsel and fee, okay? Today, this morning, if you listen to what I'm getting, this is what I, what I go over when I do counseling. I'm going to give you some of the same principles that we go over when we do counseling. So communication is a lifelong skill that, that it can be developed, but you can also forget it. A couple of months ago, I, uh, I went to play, uh, Ignacio and I were, uh, went to uh, play tennis. And if you know anything about me, like, I love the sport. I love tennis. I, I mean, I used to play when I was a teenager. I played in college. I mean, there was a, a time in my life when I was playing every other day, two to three hours. Um, in college, I think I ended up, like, being, like, third in place. I got good at it, okay, because I was, you know, practicing. Man, I'm playing with Ignacio a couple of months ago, and my mind was telling my body to do certain things that I used to do, and my body's like, what are you talking about? I don't remember ever doing that, and it's like, do this, and it's like my, my mind would tell my body to do certain things, and my body's like, nope, I'm not going to do that. Move there. You can hit that ball that way, and I'm like, nope, I'm not going to do that. Some people blame it on old age. I blame it on lack of practice. But the, way, the same way it is in communication, you got to practice it. If not, you forget it. So number one, you got to develop the art. It is an art of listening. Even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent. This is, this is a wise, one of the wisest books in, in the Bible, right? From one of the wisest men in, in Scripture. Let me give you another, another verse. Proverbs 18, 13. You can write these down. Great references if you want to... Uh, just remember them for later. Proverbs eighteen thirteen says this: spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. <sighs> Can I tell you the number of times that I've gotten in trouble because I didn't know all the facts? Have you ever had somebody that is arguing with you, a full blown argument, and you know in your heart is the primary reason is that they haven't. They don't know the whole story. Has that ever happened to you? Like somebody comes at you, they're confronting you, it turns into a big argument, and it's not that they're a bad person, it's just simply that they don't know all the facts. Have, have you ever had somebody give you advice and they don't know all the variables and it doesn't really apply to you, but they're talking and they're just speaking and they're just saying, and it's good advice, but it's like, it doesn't really help. You don't know you don't know what I'm dealing with. You don't know the rest of the story. How do they look? Well, they look a little foolish, you know? I cannot tell you the number of times where my mouth has, because I'm really, you know, this is what I do as a profession, right? It's like I get to speak every week. I get to, I mean, all week I prepare for what I'm going to say on Sunday. So I, I have a tendency to, to speak a lot. And I cannot tell you the number of times that I've given people advice, and I'm like, oh, you know, that wasn't the best advice after I found out all the facts. 
Can I tell you the number of times that I've approached people and I confronted situations that I shouldn't have confronted because I did not know all the facts. So let me give you some practical tips. I'm going to give you four on how to become a better listener. You want to be a better listener? You really want to apply this? Four tips. I can't think of anything more practical. Number one, write this down, maintain eye contact. When you're talking to someone, maintain eye contact with them. It seems like a simple thing to do. When you maintain eye contact with another individual, it helps your mind not wander off, okay? It helps you, it helps you stay focused. It also tells the other person, hey, what you're saying to me actually matters. When you look at them in the eye, you're telling them, you're actually speaking, you're communicating. Just by that one thing, you're telling them what you're saying matters to me. Number two, Write this down if you like. Uh, don't do something else while the other person is talking. You want to be a better listener? Don't do something else. Uh, and this can be a challenge at times, especially if somebody's interrupting you or interrupting your day, or if you're doing something or you're, if you, there's a deadline. I had a supervisor in college that uh, anytime, not anytime, I'm probably exaggerating, but a lot of times I would talk to him and he would be doing something else. And it frustrated me, and I didn't even know how to communicate that to him. But, but he would say something like, oh, I'm listening, I'm listening, and keep typing or keep doing whatever he was doing. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. I had, a, I had a guy this last week who um, was driving by and don't know him from Adam, decided, you know what, I need to go into the church and I need to go talk to the pastor. I'm in my office having a meeting i'm actually wrapping up a meeting and i'm already late i have two other people waiting on me two two people have been waiting 10 minutes and this guy comes off like literally forces him his way into my office comes in sits down and i'm like i haven't even like met him never shook his hand like none of that and he sits down and he can you imagine like I get a little fr frustrated when people are rude, okay? And so, like, and my heart was beating faster, but, you know, I'm a pastor, so I got to, and I'm in church, so I got to, cannot, you know, I got to behave, and, you know, I got this other person in the room, right? And the guy sits down, and he says, the Holy Spirit told me to come and talk to you. And I'm thinking, the Holy Spirit did not tell me that, but, you know, you know, and it's like, do you have a minute? And I said, I have two minutes. I thought that was grace, Okay. Uh, and I was like, man, this is a good side of me because I didn't want to say that. I have two minutes. And so he writes something on the book. On, he's giving me a book, I guess. He writes something on the book and he begins to talk. Tell me this whole thing, this whole idea about this book that he's written and the background. About four minutes into it, I said, hey, listen, I, I have, I got to wrap up this meeting. I have two other people that are waiting on me. Let's set an appointment. Let, let's, let's figure something out, but I, I really need to do this. And then basically I lovingly usher him out, okay? Here's why I tell you that. In that moment, it can be very challenging when somebody interrupts something that you're doing. And the temptation, the temptation is to say, oh yeah, yeah, keep talking and you, you do your own thing. But it, it, doesn't, it doesn't work good for your own good. Because it's never good to try to multitask. You're not, I'm going to work on this, and I'm actually listening. Something's going to give. And so what I encourage you to do 
is to pay attention to the person, say, hey, listen, uh, or maybe you need to say, look, I'm working on this. Uh, I don't have time. Can we, can we do something else? It's always better to look at the person, show them respect, as rude as they may be, and say, you know what? Uh, let's, let's set up a different time. So don't do something else while the person's talking. Let me give you two more. Number three, observe body language. Observe body language. Uh, this is huge. You can see if the person's shy, you can see if they're hesitant. Uh, often, when I'm doing this right, I don't always get it right, but when I'm doing it right, um, I can, I'm able to tell if the person has something heavy on their heart, and they're like, they're just trying to get the words out, and it just, man, there's this, this burden that's just so heavy that it's just like they don't even know what words to use. And that's not because of what they're telling me, it's just their body is communicating to me i can see if they're excited i can see if they're happy i can see lots of things if they're frustrated with you if they're angry at you they're mad at you actually your body language also sends a signal to them and without even saying a word you can actually communicate to them by the way you use your body language i cannot tell you a number of times that somebody's talked to me they're angry they're upset i've made a mistake i've done something wrong or whatever maybe i haven't but they're upset and the way i use my body since when again again when i'm when i do it right because i don't always get it right but when i do it right my body can send a stronger message than even my words and so you want to be a good listener observe body language one more Number four, refuse to interrupt. Refuse to interrupt. Do you know how long it takes the average listener to interrupt? I struggle with this one. In fact, this, a week ago, I was reminded of this. Do you know what the average time is for the average listener to actually interrupt a conversation? How long do, does it take for a person, you're having a conversation one-on-one, right? How long does it take the average listener to interrupt that conversation? How, how long would you say? How many of you would say a minute? Anybody? How many of you would say 30 seconds? Yeah, some of you are 30 seconds. It actually takes 17 seconds for the average person to interrupt a conversation. So listening is not the waiting period to develop the next sentence. I struggle with that. I'm always, you're talking, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking ahead, and I have to be very focused, I have to be very mindful not to do that. Listening is kind of what, like, what you're doing is you're, you're taking your heart, you're giving it to the other person, you're, and you're saying, like, you've got my attention. That's what listening, proper listening, that's what it is. It's like, okay, here it is, you got my attention. I'm going to look to you, I'm not going to do something else, I'm going to observe your body language because that communicates, and I'm going to listen. L- listen to what um, Proverbs 18, 15 says. Watch this, I love how this translation puts it. An intelligent heart, watch this, so it's not Alex coming up with some psychology, you know, like, like this is God's word. Let's put it up again, please. Proverbs 18, 15, an intelligent heart acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. And a, a smart person, an intelligent person, wants to know more. As the other person is talking, they ask questions. They don't have immediately a follow-up to what their comment is. No, no, they're inquisitive. They want to know more. Okay, you're telling them about this, this experience, this thing going on. What they do, and they do it well, is they follow up. They want to know more. 
That's what God's word says, an intelligent person does. And so you want to improve your communication skills. Number one, develop the art. It is an art of listening. Number two, number two, replace all harsh words with kind words. Replace all harsh words with kind words. Hit the delete button. You got some harsh words in your, in your memory. You got some things in there that like in your memory bank. Hit the delete button. Delete all harsh words from your system. Undoubtedly, all of us, at some point, we've talked to our spouses the wrong way. We've talked to a friend the wrong way. We've said some mean things, maybe about our coworker, maybe about a boss. It may not be originally our fault. It may be that they initiated the, the problem. All of us have uh, have said a, a harsh words to, to someone else. The problem with harsh words is this. Harsh words live in the dungeon of the heart. Did you hear me? Harsh words live in the dungeon of the heart, and they don't just affect them. Often we think that our words just affect other people. Your harsh words actually affect you. So let me kind of, let me, let me prove it this way. Jesus says, you know the verse, for out of the overflow of the heart, the what speaks? For out of the overflow of the heart, the what? Say it, the mouth speaks. You know the verse? Out of the overflow of the heart, whatever's overflowing your heart, that's what's going to come out. That's what Jesus says. Proverbs 4 and 23 says this. He says, he says, guard your heart above all else. There's nothing more important that you can do in life. Above all else, he says, guard your heart because for it determines the course of your life. Now, put the two verses together. If all there is in your heart, like if in your heart all that's coming out, okay, is harsh words, what the Bible says is going to happen is not just going to affect them, it's going to affect the course of your life as well. And so remove all harsh words. Words are powerful. They're a force for good or for bad. They have, they have the ability to destroy or deliver. They can bring healing or they can cut. They're a knife or they're neosporin. They're, they, they can crush the spirit or they can give life. Someone wrote it like this. Someone said this, words are power. Words could be your superpower. You can change a life. You can inspire a nation. You can make this world a beautiful place. I mean, who doesn't want that, right? Your words can spit ven venom or they can mend a broken soul. And so get in the habit of just erasing all harsh words. Let me ask you this question. How are you doing with your words? A little self-diagnosis. How are you doing with your words? Are you somebody that's disciplined with your words? I had, I had a friend who would stutter in, uh, in college. He was a Bible student. And one time he's doing a devotional. And, um, you know, he, it, it was really hard. And he, in his funny way, I'm not even going to imitate him. But in his funny way, he would tell us, you think you have a hard time dating someone? Like, I call I called a girl to ask her out, and they, they hang up on me before I can actually get the first word out, you know? 
And, uh, and he's, he, I remember, never forgotten what he said, but I never have a problem thinking before I speak. And it's like, oh, yeah, you know? And so, so how are you doing with your words? Are you flippant? Are you like, do you not care? Maybe you do, you do care, but you just don't pay attention. And you're kind of like a, a fire hydrant just out of control, just spin things out, just whatever comes out of your mouth. And you don't really process things. You just kind of say things. Whatever comes to, my, to mind, you say. Proverbs says this, the power of life and death is in the tongue. You can improve the quality of your kid's life with the words that you use. You can improve your relationship with your spouse with the words you use. You can, you, you can improve the environment at work with the words that you use. Your parents or your relationship with them, things can get better. There is hope if you're wise with the words that you use. Man, your boss is a jerk. She's a jerk. I mean, they're like, they don't understand. They don't ever listen. I wish they would listen to this message. You can improve that relationship if you're careful with the words that you use. A lot of times, verbal compliment, compliments, they don't need to be so, they don't need to be complicated. I mean, a, a kind word can be as simple and straightforward as saying, man, you look nice today. You'd be amazed at what that does to a, to to somebody's mind, okay? Like, just you, like, to your spouse, you look beautiful in that dress. You know, that, that can change their day. You, um, you know, you're the best potato cook in the world. I love your potatoes. <laughs> you know? It doesn't have to be any, they don't have to be a rocket scientist. I appreciate you doing the dishes. Solomon, the wisest man <laughs> has ever lived um, said this Proverbs twelve twenty five, another great verse an anxious heart weighs down a man weighs a man down an anxious heart boy isn't that true but a kind word cheers them up a kind word cheers people up you, you, you meet somebody at work that's dealing with anxiety is anxiety a big deal in your world, in the circle of influence that you have? It's a big deal with the people that I talk to. Well, you want to you attack that anxiety? Cheer people up with a kind word. It doesn't have to be difficult. Uh, Mark Twain, one of my favorite quotes, said, I can live for two months on a good compliment. I love that. I can live for two months on a good compliment. So do a little self-evaluation, self-diagnosis. Man, have I been flippant with my words, with... You know, maybe with my spouse, maybe with my kids. Man, I snapped and I yelled at them and I said the wrong thing or the wrong way. Man, do I, do I need to go back and readjust, correct myself? Communication, it's a skill that you can develop. You can get better at it. If you don't pay attention, if you're not reminded, and I'm proud of you for being here and for tuning in, but if you're not, if you're not mindful of it, you can, you can lose practice just like I did when, when I was playing tennis. So... Um, number one, develop the art of listening. Number two, replace all harsh words with kind words. And this is the last one. I'll close with this one. Make requests, not demands. Make requests, not demands. I'm going to ask our worship team to get on stage. Um, you want to be an excellent communicator? You want your marriage to get better? You want your workplace to get better? 
your relationship with your kids, get in the habit of making requests, not demands. Okay? It's one thing for the spouse in a relationship to say, um, you know, I, um, I love, um, I love your, your apple pies. They're the best. Man, I miss your apple pies. I mean, you're the best. Like, I, you know, like I would love to have some. Maybe this next week or, next, or this month, maybe you can make me, honey, maybe you can make me some, like, it's one of my favorite things that you ever make, like an apple pie. It's one thing to do that. It's another thing to say, you know, I have not had an apple pie in the last 10 years since we've been, you know, since we've been dating. That was the last time I had an apple pie. Like, if I ever said that in my marriage, I would be showing up with a black eye. So it's not for all the right reasons, right? And so when you talk to your spouse, do you demand things from them? Or do you ask, do you ask, like, is it a request or is it a demand? When you demand things of your spouse, what you're doing is you're setting yourself up as the parent. It's the parent that tells the three-year-old, hey, honey, you need to do this this way and this way, Right? Because they don't know how to navigate through the waters of life. It's a parent that tells the teenager, hey, slow down a little bit, you know, as they're learning to drive. Because they, they, they don't have the experience. When you communicate with, with demands in your marriage, and we all do it. I've done it. I'm guilty of it. But when you do that, it doesn't go as, as far, right? It's one thing for the spouse to, the wife to say to the husband, um, you know, honey, whenever possible, we got to clean the gutters, you know, they're... It's, it's about time. It's a totally different story if, uh, if you say, if you don't clean those gutters, they're going to fall off the house. <laughs> they already got trees growing out of them, right? Requests, they go a lot further than demands. Proverbs 15, 18. Hot tempers, hot tempers cause arguments, but patience brings, say it, Peace. Patience brings, say it one more time, peace. peace. You want peace in your marriage? Can't get, it, can't get any more practical than this. But pastor, you don't know. I've told him about a thousand times to do this, and he still hasn't done it. Well, I promise you, nagging him, it's not going to do any better. Okay? But pastor, if you knew, if you knew how many times I had said this, you know, I don't understand. I've told her multiple times. We've been married 20 years. You'd, you'd think that by now she, I mean, yeah, I'm a slow learner too, but 20 years? <laughs> it's a little long. I've said it over and over and over. Well, you have two options. You can make demands and get, get back with me and see how that works. Or you can practice God's word and practice a little bit more patience in your life. With heads bowed and eyes closed, look, I got seven seconds left. That's good right there. I don't, I don't care what you guys say. This was a good one. Time. With heads bowed and eyes closed, a little self-evaluation. How good are you at listening? 
Seriously, just between you and the Lord, I know what many of you are thinking. Oh, no, this is a great message for so-and-so. No, no, I just, I'm asking you individually. Like, between you and the Lord, do you make eye contact when you talk to people? Do you stop what you're doing? Do you pause the game? Just pause the, the, the movie? Do you stop typing or you try to multitask because you got, you're loaded? How good are you at listening? Do you, do you seek knowledge? Do you seek to understand? Do you seek to like gain like where they're coming from? Or are you, are you like you're always in the know? Second question, how's, how's your tongue? You have a sharp tongue? Are, are you like pretty, pretty quick on your feet? Like you can tear people down so quickly because man, you are, you know? If you do that, that can be both a blessing and a curse, right? You have a sharp tongue. How are you using your words? Are you building people up? Your kids, you need to build them up. Build them up. Build them up. Build them up. Don't stop. Oh, I did it last week. Do it again. It's never enough. That gas tank runs out of fuel quickly. Build them up. Build your kids up. You laughed out at them? Well, go back and say, hey, I'm sorry, that was wrong. I talked to you the other day. It was the wrong way. I love you. I'm sorry, I'm dealing with a lot of stress. They'll understand. It's better if you own it. Are you nagging those around you? Are you a negative person? How are you using your words? God, I pray that you help us as we look at these first three communication skills, life skills. God, help us to develop this art of listening, God. The book of Proverbs is full of it. Actually, the whole Bible is full of it. Today, just looked at just the book of Proverbs. But God, help us to replace all of our harsh words, God, with, with kind words. Help us to mature in that way. God, help us in our relationships to use a kind word and not demand things from people. God, we believe that all things are possible with your strength. And so we come with you before you right now. We just ask, Lord, help us. I'm sure there's a need in the workplace where everybody's saying communication, communication, communication. God, help us to pay attention to your word and practice it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand.